Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast, where we're discussing the two greatest generational gifts, raising a family and leaving a legacy. If you would, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast with others so we can help educate more people. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast. Today I have with me Julie Peterson. She is graciously known as the Lady of Lending. And I love that title because I don't know any other woman that's in lending other than Julie. So that's the perfect name. She is a senior director at Old Capital Lending. She has 32 years of real estate transactional experience. She also loves to invest herself in both commercial and multifamily assets as both the general partner and limited partner. She's in markets of in Texas, South Carolina, and Kentucky. She also has a vast experience of using or doing two, 1031 exchanges and using self-directed as well as solo 401k accounts, which we'll dig in deeper. She's also done a capital raise, um, or her most recent one was $7.5 million. That's a lot of money. And if you can see her, which I'm not sure if you all can or can't, but she's wearing a Zoom at eight shirt. And if that is the place to be on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern time, you want to make sure you get that Eastern time there because I've shown up at the wrong time before, <laughs> but it's a beautiful place to connect with new and seasoned investor investors to become educated and connected and see what other people are doing in this space. Outside of work, Julie manages to have four kids, a loving husband, Walter the dog. She loves playing pickleball, and I know she loves dancing. I've experienced it firsthand. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, when you're around Julie, you can't help but have energy in your step because she is just fun to be around. And so every chance I get, if I know she's going to be at a conference, I want to be with her and I want to be sitting next to, next uh, to her, standing next to her when the music's <laughs> playing. Yeah. So welcome. I'm so thankful that you agreed to be on my podcast. Welcome here. It is a real treat. I too look so forward when I hear you're going to be at a, a conference that uh, we get to spend time together. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a true pleasure. And I would agree with you. There are not enough women in this industry, in this community. And uh, it's, it's such a pleasure to be able to spend time talking uh, about how we can influence, how moms can influence other women, how we can rally together to kind of figure out where our place is in investing in multifamily, especially. I know there's a lot of moms who have gotten in, involved in single family. And I know that's where I started is in single family. I started way back. I, I, I got involved in real estate when I was really at, at 18. I said, I am not going to pay a landlord for very long. And so at 18, I set off for my, my real estate adventure. And I bought my first home actually when I was 22 years old. I bought wow. my first house in Los Angeles for $250,000, believe it or not. I was a, I was a um, bicycle manufacturer's rep and uh, did it in Los Angeles. 
selling bikes to all the bike shops in Los Angeles area. I ended up being a rookie of the year and salesperson of the year in a very male dominated community. And uh, at that time, it was in the late 80s, um, the riots came to Los Angeles. Ooh, and this was my, that. this was my, this was my area. Yeah. And a lot of my uh, bike shops got looted and shut down. And I had bought my house 18, 16, 18 months before. And I kind of freaked out. And I said, I, what am I going to do? I had a first and I had a second out of my house because I had never purchased anything. Took out a personal second. And I said to a friend of mine, uh, I found out that there was another job up in the Bay Area. And I said, I got to get out of here. So I called a friend and I said, I will give you my house. He says, I only have $4,000. I said, I'll give you my house. You make payments. He said, okay. I said, how much money do you have? He said, I only have 4,000. I said, give me the four. You have my house. Keep making payments. So he did it for 30 years. He refinanced, refinanced. And after about 12 years, he was able to get off the note on my house and um, started making it his, it was his home. But for that time, I was able to get out of Los Angeles, went to the Bay Area, ended up meeting my husband, we owned our own home. And la da da, we went and started our own portfolio at that time, bought our home, doubled our money in the Bay Area, moved to Chicago, bought more properties in Chicago, bought into the idea of, you know, uh, the multis, getting into 20 unit building, but all along the way, lenders were saying, go away, go away, go away, because I was trying to do this on my own, by myself. And, you know, time and went by, went by, and I kept having more children. I have four children, as you mentioned. And yeah. my husband was traveling and trying to, you know, be the, the provider. And I'm here at home. And I became the property manager and, and, and the landlord and all of that. So I was trying to manage our assets and do all that. And, uh, and it was, that was great, but it was challenging. It was, you know, I brought my kids to, <clears throat> you know, when the, when <laughs> I remember being in Chicago was, oh boy, it was negative degrees back then. And um, the pipe burst. When I arrived there, the pipes burst and I have a newborn and I, you know, didn't put her in the right clothing and boy, oh boy, to this day, they will not be in real estate. I tried to get one of my kids to work uh, in Yardy Matrix and she said, no, I'm not doing it. So while I absolutely love being um, in real estate, my kids do not want to follow in the footsteps. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, uh, I'm here to help others understand it's not all fun and games. There are challenges as a mom, as a spouse, um, as a, a mortgage broker, as an investor. I mean, there are challenges in real estate. The biggest thing you can do, two things I say, educate yourself on whatever that is. If you're going to buy multifamily, if you're going to buy 
let's say single family, or you're gonna do fix and flip, or you're gonna do mobile home parks, get educated. Understand what you're doing to be the very best in that asset class. And then two, invest in someone else's deal. See how they're doing it professionally. How are they uh, communicating with their investors? And if that's the way, is, if that's the direction you want to go, try to do better than they are. If they're if they're communicating with you on a quarterly basis, what would it look like to invest or, or, or communicate on a monthly basis? Because I'll tell you, I love when my I'm a limited partner when my uh, L, or my general partners uh, communicate with me monthly because. Again, I was a landlord. I looked at all of my paperwork every day and I wanna know how my assets are doing. So I try and invest with people that will communicate with me monthly. So you wouldn't know that unless you're involved in investing in other people's deals. Wow, there was so much in that, but the last part is really, really important. Yeah, we're a syndication group and we do communicate monthly, mm. but I look back at some of the deals I've done and do you know, I didn't receive even quarterly updates. Mm. I never got anything unless I physically went to the syndication website, the investment portal and looked for documents. Otherwise I got nothing. Interesting. And so that that is a very good point that you make. And I love the fact that you said invest in somebody else's deal first. I remember at the very beginning of my multifamily, you know, path, I was really set on I got to hold my gunpowder back for mine, mm -hmm. right? For my neck, my deal that I do. And then pretty soon I realized, wow, I am not getting a deal as quickly as I thought, and I'm missing out. My money is just sitting here really it's kind of deteriorating, you know, because the value of the dollar just keeps going down, you know, decreasing. So I finally invested in somebody else's deal. And I'll tell you what, the confidence that came from investing in that one deal gave me the courage and it changed the tonality of my conversations with other brokers. Because then all of a sudden I, I could come from a place of, oh yeah, I'm a single family investment, you know, trying to get into multifamily. All of a sudden it changed to, yeah, I've got 130 doors down in San Antonio. They, they never asked, do you have, are you an LP or GP? Uh -huh. they, they never asked that question. So I think that's really, really great advice. Um, and especially right now, because right now people don't, there's so much uncertainty about what's going on in the marketplace. We mm -hmm. just came off of COVID. We're still having impact, you know, labor issues and material shortages. We're still feeling the ramifications of that. I think this is the perfect time to become educated Very in a much. space, whether it's multifamily or single family or 1031 exchanges. So I want to yes. go back to, you did really well in the Bay. Mm -hmm. And then you took those profits, you went and you bought a 20 unit mm -hmm. in Chicago. So I've never done a 1031 exchange. I've done mm -hmm. a DST, which is a trust. Mm -hmm. And I'm about to leverage that now in the next mm -hmm. transaction I do. But I'm curious about the 1031. I know there's stipulations. You have a, a period of time where you have to designate, you know, a portfolio of properties you're considering, but kind of walk us through that. 
Sure. So I've done quite a few of the 1031. So that is true. You have to have, you have to identify one to three properties where you're going to put and set your money. Now there's a whole, there's a lot of details and I'm not the professional on this because you would want to talk to somebody who does this full time. But as somebody who has utilized this strategy, there are ways to hold on to your, instead of paying taxes, you would take your basis for when you first purchased your first property, you could take that basis to the next and the next and next. So you don't have to pay taxes. So you're going to look for the, the next property and you've got 45 days to identify what that looks like. 45 days. I had my husband's, I had my father-in-law coming to stay with me. And I said, oh my gosh, I am in the midst of a 1031. It is stressful, friends, really stressful. So if you know that you're going to be selling and going into a 1031, make sure you clear, clear your slate because you are trying to find the right property. And it's not just one, because let's face it, if that one falls out, you have to have a backup. And it might be a backup that is, maybe it's a triple net lease property, or it, it maybe the triple net falls out. So now that's your second property. And then maybe you go to a third property and then that could be your DST. So I always have three properties. I find whether it's a single family, I just did uh, actually two, this would be my seventh 1031 exchange where we have gone from a house to a 20 unit. Now half of the, I, I took half of it and I went to a hundred and uh, let's see, I don't know. It's a two to 300 unit building. We did into a syndication. Okay. And I had to have a conversation with a general partner to say, here's my timeline. Will you be buying a property in February next year? Here's my, how much I'm bringing to the transaction. And he said, yes, here's what we're looking at. It's going to be in Dallas. Okay, great. And, and so we aligned when I'm selling and when he's buying and we used uh, an attorney, you have to put your money into a, it's called a uh, qualified intermediary who holds on to the money and they hold on to it from the time you sell your place to the time the other property closes. And then they hold that and it gets placed. And it's the transactions. You become a tick, a tenants in common in the syndication. Hmm. It sounds complicated. You can do it from house to house, house to DST, house to uh, uh, syndication, syndication to syndication. You just have to have the right attorney and you have to have the right um, partner who will say, yes, I will take your money. Not all syndicators wanna take your money. You have to have enough money because these transactions cost money to. Uh, do, the, do the legal, the, there's a tick, which is again, is tenants in common. It's a tick agreement that can co be costly. It, it ends up costing about $10,000. And 
who pays for that? Typically, it's going to be the cost is associated with the transact with the the deal itself. So not not all transactions want to pay that. So, so would it be the person that has the 1031 exchange? You would step up and pay for that. That's oh. all negotiated. Okay. It Good depends on does the general partnership want a million dollars? You'll point. you'll hear sometimes a, a a general partner would say. I'll take a tick or a, a 1031 if it's a million dollars. I'll take a tick if it's $2 million because it makes sense, the cost sure. associated with it. So sure. the, the structure is that you've got the, the managing members are, are, he, are in one entity and the tick or the 1031 is alongside it. Mm -hmm. So in essence, you are you are a partnership. However, the, the tick agreement says you, yes, you are partners alongside the, on the same line, but let me tell you, you have no, you have no ownership in this quote unquote ownership. We are making all the decisions mm -hmm. and let me be real clear about that. Because a lot of people want to say, well, I'm, I'm a tick. Yes, you are, but you have no GP rights. You yeah. are a limited partner. Very, in, very good. Yeah. In the eyes of the bank, yes, you are a partner. In the eyes of the general partner, you are a limited partner. And if yeah. you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Because why? I don't have to pay taxes. I, I'm okay with being a limited partner on that. Yeah. But it has opened a lot of doors for me, Jennifer. It's opened doors for me with this partnership that I've invested with to be a general partner on future deals and on current deals that they have. I've I've uh, capital raised for them, and I'm on general. I am a general partner on on other deals with them. So it, it it's worked out. Yeah. Well, that's that's exciting. Yeah. And it's amazing to see that you started at such a young age. So I'm always fascinated because I didn't learn about real estate till I was in my late forties. You hear you are in your twenties and you got started in it. So did you have a family member that was, or how did this dawn on you that real estate is where you needed to be? You know, I didn't have a mentor at all, actually, in real estate. I worked at a bank. I worked at a bank when I was 14 years old and I loved money. <laughs> I absolutely loved money. I loved counting it. I loved having it. I was a hoarder <laughs> with my money. <laughs> and uh, I bought my first car with cash when I was 16 years old. My, no, was I 16? Yeah, I was 16. Is that right? No, I was 18. We got to have the family car, you know? You can yeah. use the family car. Well, when I was 18, I walked down, I paid cash with my car and my dad said, we're returning that car. I said, I'm 18, we're not returning. He goes, we're marching down to the car place and we're gonna return this car. Okay, dad, we go over there. And the guy's like, uh, sir, your daughter is 18. She's legally, she can do whatever she wants. So, and, and that's kind of where it all started. It's like, wow. I'm doing it, I'm going. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I just loved 
I loved watching people become successful using their money. It, I was just around it. I, yeah. I watched a lot of people do it. So yeah, that's, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Okay. So, um, there's so much here. I, I just am like, wow, this is great. And I didn't know these things about you. Mm -hmm. Had no earthly idea. So Julie and I met during COVID. Mm -hmm. I somehow found her at Zoom at eight. And then she became the lender on our very first apartment building. That's 72 units down in Arkansas. And that has been such a phenomenal property for us. Um, we're just cruising right along there. But I'm curious, you did say you have four children. I know you love what you're doing and I know your kids don't want anything to do with this. Nothing. So, and I know you're traveling a lot right now. How are you doing it all? Well, so I have one left at home. Um, I got chills. <laughs> um, my kids are really independent. I raised my kids similarly to the way that I want, I, I am. You're gonna, um, I'm gonna help you. Here's some money to pay for college, but I did it myself and so are you. So, you know, you're gonna have to figure it out. And in that way, uh, my oldest son wanted to be a pilot since he was tiny and he very mechanical brain and wanted to follow that dream. And we got him there. And he took out loans and, and, and I believe in him and he will, he's a, he's going to be a pilot. He just got hired by Delta and he's doing wow, it. Wow, That is exciting. It's, it's awesome. Daughter number two, Rose, uh, she didn't want to pay. She didn't want to be, she's heard. And we talked about kids having to pay for college for, you know, years and years and years and years and having that burden. And, you know, again, I was always saying, go buy your own house, you know, don't get stuck with all of this terrible debt. And, um, and so she said, and I encouraged her go to work for, for Starbucks, they'll pay for your college. Sure enough, she goes and works for, for Starbucks, they pay for all of her college, she's got six months left, she graduates in May, she just got hired by uh, Epic and uh, starts in June and it's an amazing job, amazing company. She's moving to Madison and is super excited and she's on fire and it's like she's following her dreams. Very independent. I'm super excited. I couldn't be any more happy with the way they're following their dreams. It's, it's right. It's good. It's, it's cool. I'm yeah. Yeah. I'm proud really proud. Um, number three, I'm number three. We do things a little different. Mr. <laughs> number three, he's decided to do things a little different, which is great. A little bit different of track, right? So he's decided he's moving out. He moved out when he was 18. He's living on his own, paying his own way, Lit, works in a bike shop, which is cool. You know, I was, I was in the bike industry. My husband was in the bike industry wonderful. He's living his dream. Um, we talk, you know, nearly every week and that's good. And I, I wish him his dreams come true. 
I think he's just a little bit delayed. I think, you know, he's the smartest of all the kids and he'll, his time will come. It's just different. It's hard to be a mom to say, come on, get on board with all the rest of them. <laughs> That's been hard. Um, yeah. And then the last one, um, COVID has been hard for the kids um, in, in this age group. And so got a little deep, deep, deep derailed but back on on track and she's graduating um in june and you know listen we have four kids in five years so she's 17 a senior this year graduating on time it's awesome she is uh wanting to do mortuary science which not sure where that came from but as they say, you always need a mortician. You always need funeral services. And there you go. There you so, go. Um, all of us, I know we live in California. We're in San Diego, which, as you know, is paradise. But my kids, my kids don't find it to be paradise. We don't go to the beaches. We're from the Midwest. We're driven a little differently. We have the Midwest blood in us. Um, my kids are all moving back. Uh, the three are, the two are actually in, in Michigan. And then Juliet, the youngest, will go to uh, Michigan as well, to Wayne State University. So I don't know where, we'll be empty nesters here uh, in June or July, whenever she moves. And that'll be the next stage for us. It's, we're preparing. Um, you know, we talk about balance. Right. We've been taking care of four kids, children for 23 years. It's, uh, it, it, it's a lot of work. It's, uh, we're a faith-based family and we've ushered them into living a, a certain way. And we all hope that they follow in the same path. Um, you just are grateful that you they're healthy and happy and wise and and that you your your job is 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 done. Where do you fit? Where do you fit in this world after that? That's really the question. And I set myself up about 11 years ago and I came to Old Capital. <clears throat> and my husband was traveling a lot. My kids were younger and uh, I tried this is right before all of the multifamily it was just really, really exploding with all the agency financing. And I tried to get into and be who I wanted to be. And I said, it's not the right time. It wasn't who I could be, who I wanted to be in this space, to be the go-getter, to be on fire, the who I really speak to, who I, you know, the, my image, my brand, I had to step away. And that was really hard. And I think your listeners probably understand that. It's really hard for someone to say, not now. And, and to have that reality of not now. I mean, that, that, is, that is, I think, the hardest thing about being a mom is putting yourself second or third or fifth, sixth. Um, and so I, did, I continued down that path to be a mom. And as we were talking before we jumped on here, it's we're very busy as moms, constantly trying to help everybody do their lives, be successful and take a little bit for us 
but always giving more to everybody else. <clears throat> so about five, six, eight years ago, I came back to Old Capital, and um, the time was right. And um, and I am who I'm. I'm. I'm where I'm at. Where I'm supposed to be. Who I am. And it hits all of my talents at the right time. And um, it's it's really incredible to watch um, and to be like so present to me. Um, and and it's kind of the first time, you know, as a as a child, you're with your parents. As a college, you're trying to figure out you. Then you become a wife and a mom. And are you who are you? And as we're aging now, I am. I, I love to be on fire for me yeah. and to present for you and to be, yeah. you know, it's, it's so cool. I, I just love it. It's fun. I, I feel like we both got the best of both worlds. We were able to raise our children and then come in when the timing was right. I was like you, I was testing different things. Yeah. I really couldn't ever give a hundred percent because my kids needed me before yes. I needed that. And I had to put myself on the back burner. Hard. But I love that you're at an age and you know that the next transition you're going through it already and you're preparing for when they all fly the nest and that they're all going to be great independent individuals. And I'm, I'm thankful and lucky like you that we have that ability to do it and that my kids are like yours, very independent. They don't need us, but mm -hmm. thankfully they want us in their lives. And yeah. I think that's such a gift and a blessing to us. Um, so there's a lot of women I do meet and they don't know what to do with this next chapter in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason I created this podcast is I wanted to give women hope that even if you're going into that next season and you don't know what to do yet, you know what, start becoming educated about different things and whether it's real estate or not, doesn't matter, but continue to grow. I feel like this is the greatest time in our life mm -hmm. that we get to become who we were designed to be. We're more than just a mom, right? Mm -hmm. I hate it. I hate that I used to say I'm just a mom. Oh, I used terrible. to say that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I look back now and I think, man, that was such a gift to me and to them. Mm -hmm. And I love that I had that season, but I love the season I'm in just as much and I look forward to the next season ahead. And uh, you and I are both, you know, on that path, creating what we want to become, right? And who you got know, it to be? Yeah, I want to touch on that for just a real quick moment. Um, I met a gal on a plane and uh, I travel a lot and I love the travel. I mean, it's, it, it is life-giving to me. Uh, to be able to jump on a plane without all of my entourage <laughs> and, all, and all of their stuff that I have to remember yeah. to bring with and uh, to sit with another adult and talk nicely. And, um, and she said, you know, I'm 54 years old and I'm just starting to kind of slow down and I don't really have anything that is exciting to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am got, I mean, I'm the most, I'm the busiest I've ever been. And I'm so excited and I'm, I'm loving life and all of this. And I thought, I just want to give that 
energy to so many other people to say, you know what, it, it all begins now. This is how exciting it is. You don't have to say the kids are done and now it's over. No, this is beginning. Right. Yeah. I, that was a big eye opener to hear that. And I think that that's not an uncommon thought for Mm -hmm. people, women, especially. Right. Yeah. And they've, they've got to feel a little lost. And I hope that your message and my message, the fact that we're so passionate about what we do gives encouragement and hope to others that, that they will, you know, start investing themselves and a good place to start is books. And there's so many good books out there. Now we have audible So if you don't love sitting down and reading, you can listen while you're walking or exercising or cleaning the house, cooking, shopping. You know, you can be listening all the time and figuring out who you want to be when you grow up. And so let's, let's go there. What do you have a favorite book that you've read in the last few years that you're like, that one was a game changer for me? Well, the one thing is, and I I can't remember who wrote it. I'm sure everybody knows it. Okay. So I really like that one. Um, I listen to a lot of different books. Um, I listen to the other thing that I do listen to is uh, some economists as well, just to kind of figure out, but there is this doctor and an economist um, who have gotten together. Do you know who I'm talking about? Well, I thought you were going to say Dr. Peter Zahan. No. So this is the great uh, reboot. The great reboot is um, it is a, a doctor who is at the Cleveland Clinic, and they're talking about us living longer. And with us living longer, we're going to need to have more money. So while why? Uh, okay, great. It's great to live longer, but why would you? You, you we have to prepare for this. Yeah. So it's uh, Michael Ro- uh, Roizen. Michael Roizen is a MD. He's the one that uh, I, I, I do everything on, on Audible. It's called the Great, Re- Age, the Great Age Reboot. He also has an app that goes with it that you every day you get a reminder. It's eating right and going along with making the right um, investment strategies. And the investment <clears throat> strategies are coming in from Peter Linneman. And he's oh, the economist. Wow. And the two of those guys get together. There's another uh, guy, uh, Albert Ratner, who also collaborates with them. But I just love it because you start thinking about, okay, I'm going to live longer. I want to live longer. And it starts, it, it really talks about, you know, we used to only live till we were 50s, you know, it, it, 30s yeah. when we were cavemen, right? Right, right. And we are almost to the point where we can say our, our children may be getting to be able to live to 130. Now that doesn't, might not seem like it's doable right now, but are these young children, that could be a reality to them. And if that's true, a retirement of 65 may not be realistic. And mm-hmm. so with that said, thinking about multifamily, thinking about growing your wealth. We need to be educating our children yes. to be thinking about that. Yes. Not only eating right today, but also, hey, this is a, 
this is a real issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the, the two together, I think is just brilliant. I, I can't wait to read it. I'm yeah. so glad we're talking yeah. about this. It is I, you know, I, I always wondered that too. Um, I have a mother that's 90 years old and she doesn't have any problems. I mean, she's looking like she has a congestive heart failure, but she's 90 now. And she may outlive her money. And yes. that's not a good scenario to be in. So to your point, we need to all be preparing because you're right. I think that could be a real reality. Yes. So, I mean, I, I would love to live to 100, but I certainly don't want to outlive my my money and then have to live with my kids and put that burden on them. Yeah, and, and let's think about it. I know that um, this idea of, facelifts and all of the extra things that, you know, right now people like, oh, she's got Botox and this and that, that will become a reality. And it will be like, hey, listen, this is what we do. Very acceptable. Mm -hmm. Now it's kind of like, well, mm, I'm going in for a little bit of adjustments or whatever. But you know, if you're living to 130, that's okay. We're going to accept that. Yeah. Sign me up. Right? (laughs) Okay. And and maybe our, maybe our skin is gonna just with the good eating and all of that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, you know, these two items, these two topics, they need to go hand in hand. And as females, we cannot be left alone. We cannot, we have to be educated. Yes. Amen. And we cannot be living like our mothers. God love them. They're wonderful. They gave us such good roots Uh and we are doing the best we can for our girls, but, um, we really do need to, to be helping educate the the future. I mean, it really is something that it, 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 it's really important. I agree with you. Um, Mm I know when I go visit my mother, there's maybe one man out of every 10 women, maybe even every 20 women. And so the women do outlive the men and they're left with a portfolio of investments that they don't have a clue about. And I think it's really important that as ladies, we start stepping up and we become educated. We know, and we make those investment decisions along with our husband. And that way, when whoever passes first, you know, you're both educated, right? So, yeah, I mean, uh, and probably one of our last thoughts here is, you know, we, we do have the social security, but it's not going to be enough. It's just not going to be enough. And my, my mother-in-law, they together had good social security. He passed on. She's living almost paycheck to paycheck. They lived a great life, but now, not so great. And that's not how we should be setting ourselves up. We really do. We want to live the same, if not better Agreed. than we are today. And uh, be, th- be, be, th- be thinking that, being thoughtful yeah. of that. Yeah. Right. And, it, and one little step at a time today is much better than putting our head in a sand, you know, and uh, I'm certainly a resource to help those that are looking at getting into multifamily, um, you know, if your audience is looking at 
uh, or actively um, involved in multifamily, um, trying to get to know where financing is, where um, you know they can find brokers or any kind of resources. Come to Zoom at eight. You know, we talked a little bit about that. You know, Zoom at eight was developed for as a resource for education programs who didn't have limited partners supporting the general partners. There weren't sponsors. I brought sponsors to Zoom at eight so that they could feed those new investors. So we, we have sponsor, we've, you know, we've got everything there. We have speakers that come three weeks out of the month and we've got economists, really good uh, professionals in this industry that could be very helpful to you. So it's a great place. So that leads me to how can people connect with you? I know you said Zoom at eight, but you're also, I do know you're on LinkedIn under yes. Julianne Peterson. Yes. And is there any other way you would suggest people, uh, how do they go about finding you? Yes. So LinkedIn, of course, Julianne, make sure you got the E, Julianne Peterson. Um, also Facebook, link, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, you can also, uh, if you want to sign up for Zoom at 8, dancing investments forward slash Zoom at 8, Zoom AT8, number 8. That'll get you sign up and we'll send you the link. So real easy. Um, I, I encourage you to, to take a look, put your toe in, see if it fits, see if it feels right. We do ask you to have a 30 second elevator speech. Hi, I'm Julianne Peterson. I'm here to understand how and if multifamily or any of this information is helpful for me. So not a big thing. We just want to know you. So I love it. Well, thank you so much. I know you've added a tremendous amount of value to my listeners. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your day. You're welcome. All right, everybody, we will see you at the next episode at Mastering Money for Moms. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and leave a rating or review because it helps support the growth of this podcast. Also, I'd be so grateful if you would please share our podcast on Instagram and tag me at Mastering Money for Moms to help us grow our community of mothers. We'll see you on the next episode of Mastering Money for Moms.